Shalom everyone, Shalom Alakim. We'll get started. We have, uh, we'll cover as much ground as we can tonight, and I want to try to leave you in a place that makes a little bit of sense, uh, because it may be a while before we are able to come back together again. Uh, I think uh, this will be the last Wednesday that I teach for, for a while, and uh, Noahide Nation should have the information up on when we'll restart uh, soon. But So I want to try to get us in a place where where some of the things we have learned so far can begin to make some sense. And uh, not that they haven't already, but where we, where we uh, can carry through with it, with the idea where it will be helpful to us. And uh, anyway, it may be uh, the rest of the summer, actually, that uh, we're not able to, to be back on. But hopefully come like September or something, something like that, tentatively, we can uh, crank back up and we'll... And, of course, when we start back up, we'll, uh, we'll review what we learned before very, very quickly and then move on from there to a deeper understanding because Rabbi Ashlag, uh, Rabbi Yehudah Lev Ashlag in the shadow of the ladder, the Baal HaSulam, is trying to get us to understand probably one of the most important things that we could possibly ever understand concerning divine providence, how God runs his world and how Hashem is involved in our lives on, on such a daily, minute-by-minute, minute, not just daily, but minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. So we have been climbing the ladder and trying to change the way we think and the way we look at things, and we are still, this is still part of just his introduction to the study of the Tense Firo. Very quickly, let's remember quickly some of the main points that we looked at the last time we were together, where he wanted to talk about the root cause of sin and suffering and that root cause remember he says is nothing other than the minimal understanding that we possess of the way that Hashem involves himself in the life of his creatures that that involvement that is what we call divine providence and, and the Baal HaSulam simply says we do not understand Hashem as is fitting according to the greatness of his name then we, uh, we, we left also talking about uh, the aspects of divine pro providence and really what our, what our perspective of that is. But this, he says, the consequence of this, of not understanding, is that not everyone who, not everyone who wants a relationship with him, they're not able to do so because that we stumble constantly over every step of bad things happening to us or we see bad things happening to other people. All kinds of things like this. So we stumble constantly. And he says the right understanding of God's relationship to his creation, creation, that is the source of all good. The right understanding. It's wrong understanding, he says, is the root cause of all evil. So obviously our understanding of divine providence is extremely important. Very, very important. So we covered the last time we were together the concepts of the concealment. This is concerning divine providence. We perceive God's providence for us as either concealment of his face or the revelation of his face. And we covered that in concealment there are two different levels. Really there is, well, there's single concealment and then there is double concealment or what Rav Ashlag calls concealment within concealment. And, and uh, you remember what those things are. You remember double concealment. Actually, that's where the vast majority of people are. They think the world runs as if there is no God in the world. They think uh, everything runs 
uh, and and God is really not involved. They don't. They may perceive some of the good things that come to them as coming from God, but they never perceive any of the bad things. What they what they understand as bad as coming from Hashem. Single concealment is the is the stage that we want to talk a little bit more about tonight. And single concealment has to do with you remember the way the sages say it that you recognize your friend, but you can only see his back, and you you recognize him, and you think. Is that my friend or is that not my friend? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And a lot, a lot of believing people who are believing in Hashem with all their heart, they are in, still in this stage of single concealment where things that are coming at them, they may see it, maybe it's coming from Him, maybe it's not. And uh, that also, though it's a better place to be than double concealment, that's also not where we want to be. We want to be somewhere else because we want to have a revelation of God's face. There are two levels also of this. The first is a clear perception. We begin to perceive how cause and effect works. And then the second level of it is a clear perception of Hashem's eternal involvement with His creation. One of these we're going to see in this lesson. The clear perception of cause and effect has to do with what the, what the rabbis of the sages call the fear of sin. The other, this clear perception of God's eternal involvement with all of His creation down to the meal of a worm, <laughs> has to do with the love of God. And this is what we, we, I'm sure we won't cover in an adequate way in this lesson all of this, but this is where we kind of want to go and just, and just really do some basic outlining, outlining of things. Okay? Now, picking up exactly where we left off in, in the introduction to the study of the Tensfi Road, we're now at, we're in paragraph 53. And he says, it is important that we know that all the work that we do in actively and consciously choosing the path of Torah and mitzvot as a matter of free choice. And by the way, what, are the, what do the sages tell us? This is actually the only free choice that we actually have. is whether or not we will keep the Torah, whether or not we will keep the commandments. But he says that this work takes place primarily during the time when divine providence is concealed, mainly in single concealment. Concerning this period, he says, Rabbi Ben-Haha said, The reward is according to the degree of suffering, seeing that his providence is not openly manifest, and one cannot perceive God as he really is. That's the key. We're not perceiving him as he really is. Then his face is concealed, and he can only be perceived from his back. So we're talking about mainly in the stage of single concealment. Because in double concealment, we don't even know if it's coming from God or not. Here we think maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And, and it's a much better stage than in double concealment. This is important that we look at this here because you remember we began a discussion. And we haven't even begun to complete the discussion. And, and we'll have to pick it all back up later. But we began a discussion concerning, concerning the saying of the sages... That if someone comes to you and tells you, I worked, uh, I did the hard work, okay, and that hard work, let me just give it to you, that hard work is choosing the path of Torah and mitzvot. Rabbi Ashlag defines it actually as anything that goes against our nature. What is our nature? Our nature is the will to receive for itself alone. So anything that actually goes against that in which Torah and mitzvot do, then that's hard work. But the sages said, if someone comes and says, I worked, 
or, or if they said if they say I didn't do the hard work and yet I found, don't believe them. But if come, someone comes and says I did the hard work and I found that person, you can believe. And what we are working on through all of this is actually coming to an understanding of what that is, and uh, and coming to an understanding of what that hard work is. Anyway, this is mostly going on when we are consciously and actively choosing the path of Torah and mitzvot. It's still during this time of this time of divine concealment. Uh, ignore the background noise of the phone. <laughs> we we will uh, we will leave that alone. I'm in my office. Hopefully, someone will either answer it or it will quit ringing. Okay. He says this is actually similar. He says concerning these choices, this is similar to a man who sees his friend's back, and and therefore is liable to doubt. If it is really his friend, this is single concealment. Or if it's someone else. In this manner, he says, the choice is always in a person's own hands. The choice of what? Of whether to decide it's really your friend or not your friend. A person always has the choice, he says, whether to do God's will, to follow his advice, or to transgress his will. For the pain and the sufferings that he or she undergoes... Bring him, though the, the pain and the suffering that's coming to us in the state of single concealment where we're not sure if it's, that's, is that pain coming from God? We're not sure if it is or not. That actually brings us to doubt the reality of God's good providence over his creatures. That's the point. And in the minute we doubt, that doubt leads us into transgression. That doubt is a, the doubt itself is a sin. To be truthful. He says this doubt leads the person to transgress. As in the single level of concealment. In which case the transgressions. They are considered. Because of the pain and suffering. They are considered mistakes. Inadvertent errors. In the state of double concealment though. The transgressions are considered as deliberate sins. In either case. Whether it's single or double. The person finds himself or herself. In great pain and longing. And scripture says about this period in a person's life, and now he quotes from Kohelet, Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatever you are able to do, do it with all your strength. For, he says, the, a person will not merit the revelation of God's face, which what does that mean, he says? The revelation of God's face means the perfect attribute of God's goodness. Unless... He or she tries and does everything, and this is the hard work, everything he or she possibly can. And the reward, the sages say, the reward, as Ben-Haha says, Rabbi Ben-Haha says, is according to the suffering. Okay, let's move on. We'll try, to, we'll try to cover a little bit of ground with him, with God's help. I'm on a roll. I don't, I, I don't want to, I, I want to explain all of this to you, but I also want to get to a place where we can talk about it a little more relaxed so let's cover these points with him then Rabbi Ashlag comes and he wants to talk about transformation transformation means just exactly what it means it means we change it means we are no longer the person that we were yesterday uh, there's, a, there's a nice way to plot this out and we have to understand that our souls in this body during this period of time, this sojourn here in this, this world of Asiyah, the world of doing, the physical world, 
we are moving <laughs> horizontally, and we are not the same place we were yesterday. And our soul is not the same in the same place as it was yesterday. And this is actually the whole idea of how things in the past can be, can actually, they in and of themselves can be retroactively changed. And this is kind of some of the things he wants to talk about here. Okay. He goes on, he says, however, once Hashem sees that a person has put in the required amount of effort, once God sees that you've done the hard work, You've, you've worked and done and followed the Torah and followed the mitzvot, even though it's against your nature. Then he says, and they have done all that he or she could do to manifest their choice. And they have strengthened themselves in their faith in God. This also is another, another thing we have to mention here, to strengthen our emunah, our faith in God. In fact, everything, everything that is coming from him in divine providence, once we understand that it's coming from Him, once we understand that it's all meant for good, once we understand that even no matter how painful it is, it's still meant for good. Uh, and when, once we begin to understand those things, then our soul certainly doesn't, doesn't stay in the same place, and we're no longer the same person that we were. We have transformed because we have moved to a new level of emunah, a new level of faith is the idea. And this, by the way, is not something that you say, okay, I reached the level of faith, the highest level of faith. There is no highest level. It is constantly an ongoing thing, constantly a growing process where we are never the same as we were yesterday. We are closer to him. In fact, you know, it's the, the sages teach us even the greatest of the tzaddikim, even a complete tzaddik repents every day. What does he repent of? He repents that yesterday he thought he knew Hashem. He repents that yesterday he thought he was close to God. That's the idea. We, we must keep moving. Anyway, back to Rabbi Ashlag. I got a little carried away there. It says He says, once a person has done this, once they've strengthened their faith, once they've done the hard work and done everything they can to manifest their choice, then Hashem helps the person. And he helps you to attain the perception of the divine providence in its open manifestation so that the face of God is revealed to that person. And through this perception, the person comes to be completely transformed. And he or she cleaves to him with all their heart and all their soul and all their might. And they are inspired by their perception of the revelation of God's true role, his true purpose and actions and what he does in a person's life. But I'm glad we talked about the other thing before because we don't need to think, oh, wow, I arrived. I don't have to do hard work anymore. Or I don't have to. I can, I can just uh, sit. And uh, no, this, this needs to be an ongoing thing. Absolutely. Okay. This perception, he says, of the divine providence and the transformation that goes together with it they, it act, this perception actually and, and the transformation comes to a person in two different stages. The first stage is when we have clear awareness of a definite cause and effect. In other words, if you do this, then that is going to call, make an effect and something else is going to happen. So we come to a stage of clear awareness of definite cause and effect. Not only does the person clearly perceive the good consequences, he says, that result from a mitzvah, 
which he she receives in the world to come. Because remember, the true reward for all of the mitzvot is not here in this life. It's in the world to come. So he says, so not only if you do a mitzvah do you do you perceive within yourself that there, that there will be a reward for that, even though we've, we've done a lot of talking about how we shouldn't even be concerned with that, and I'm not trying to re-concern you with it. But there is a perception that you, that you pick up on concerning the reward for the mitzvot, and it's in the world to come. But he says not only that, but a person also experiences wondrous pleasure at the moment of performing a mitzvah in this world. Why? If you did it correctly, if you did it in order to benefit someone else, or in order to please Hashem. Absolutely. Wondrous pleasure. There is, a, there is an immediate thing. <clears throat> in the same way, though, he says, not only does a person perceive that there is a bitter consequence of a loss of light that is attendant on each sin after one's death, he says, but he or she also merits to experience the bitter taste of a sin while still in this life. In other words, we immediately, we know something's going to come at us. We know that. And he's going to, he's going to expand this whole idea also. It's, it's concerning uh, the idea of the fear of sin. He's going to expand that uh, to mean we finally become aware actually of what sin, not only what it does to us, not only will there be a cause and effect coming to us for sin, but our sin also affects every other person in the universe. It affects the animal world. It affects the plant world. It affects the insect world. It affects the level of bacteria and viruses, as well as going up even into the world of angels, the higher universes. It affects everything. Okay. He says, uh, It is obvious that one who has merited such direct perception of God's providence, now this is an amazing thing he's fixing to say, that they can be quite sure of himself or herself that he or she will not sin anymore. Wow. In just the same way as a person would not contemplate cutting off one of, his, uh, one of their limbs and thus causing terrible suffering to themselves. It's equally certain, he says, that the person would not let the opportunity of a mitzvah go by if it presented itself to you. In just the same way that a person may be sure not to forego any pleasure of this world or a great profit that might come, come your way. By this, he says, now we can begin to understand what the sages, what they implied when they ask a question, what is transformation? What does that mean? What constitutes transformation? And listen to the answer of the sages. They said, when God himself testifies that the person will never again return to his foolish ways, to his foolishness, meaning to a, to a life of sin. He says, Rabbi Ashlag says, that's a very surprising definition. As who is, going, who is going to hop, you know, to sprout wings, fly up to heaven, and ask Hashem or to hear Hashem's testimony that this person, this or that person, will no longer return to foolishness. What's more, he says, who in the world, to whom is God expected to give that testimony? He says, is it not enough that, that Hashem himself knows that this man or this woman, they have transformed with all their heart and they will not sin anymore? Isn't that enough? He says, what's this, what's this deal? What's going on? Yet, he says, from what we have already clarified, he says, the matter is actually quite simple. 
In truth, he says, a person can never be completely certain that he or she will not sin again unless they have already merited the perception of God's providence, which is, number one, that he acts with cause and effect. And that, if we can get that figured out, if we can come to a perception of that, but that takes hard work, he says, this is the revelation of God's face. Now, now, and he states another amazing thing. We've had all this talk about, you remember, he made a big issue, the Baal HaSulam did, he made a big issue about this, the, the, the precision of the wording of the sages, where they said, if someone says they didn't do the hard work and yet they found, don't believe that person. If someone says, I did the hard work and yet I found, he says, believe that person. And he, he went into this whole thing. What's this deal with working and finding because the language doesn't go together? If you find something, you just come upon it. Uh, you don't work for it. Okay? So now he tells us that this direct revelation of God's face, that it comes as a grace from Hashem himself. And that is what is termed testimony. As it is God's grace, he says, God's grace itself that enables a person to attain this perception of cause and effect, which ensures that he or she will not sin again. Thus, we can now say, he says, that it is God himself who testifies for the person. He testifies because it's his grace that he gives you this perception. Now, I know this is a little bit of a paradox, and of course it is. The deal is, is Hashem, if Hashem doesn't help you get this perception, you're not going to get it. No matter what kind of work you do. But if you don't do the work of Torah and mitzvot and of going against your own nature, your own will to receive for yourself alone, if you don't do that work, he won't help you. In a, in a small book that, uh, that actually, when Rabbi Yehudah Lev Ashlag, when he passed away, he gave a small book that he, that it was a handwritten book that he kept in his pocket. He kept on his person all the time. And he gave it to his son, and uh, his son, thank God, made that book uh, public for, for all of us. It was a small book, and it was called Shemati. Shemati simply means, I heard. So this little book that he wrote and kept in his pocket, and he wrote in it all the time, of blank pages, and he filled it up. Uh, Shemati simply meant, these are the things that I heard as I was going along. And in that, and we are going to go into this in more depth in the future, but in that book, he, t he, he, he gives a, a real revelation, uh, and he gives an example of like hard work. And he, and he talks about, he says, this is an amazing thing. He says, if someone, you know, if someone, if there's, they're, they're in a crowd, a crowded street, and, and uh, they notice, you know, a, a six-year-old boy pickpocketing someone, and they grab a hold of them to, to stop them and to catch them for the police, and they just stand and they're they're holding the they're they're holding the boy and they're shouting help 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 this is a 6-year-old boy you're a grown person and everybody's going to look at you like you're crazy they may even laugh at you because obviously you don't need help to hold this boy so you haven't done any hard work and his his illustration is actually telling us many times we don't do the hard work and we sit around and we scream, help, help, help. And he says, until we make the effort, Hashem is not going to help you. Simply put, because you don't need it, because you're not doing anything to need help. 
Then the other illustration is, is if it was a grown, huge grown thief who was three times your size, when you grabbed a hold of him and screamed help, then help would be on the way. It's the same way. If we have done the hard work, if we need the help, if, if, we're, if we put ourselves in a position where we need his help, then he comes to our aid. And this is the idea. And that is grace from him that he allows us and gives to us this direct perception of his face, meaning of how he runs the world and how he is involved in your life and that everything is coming from him. Okay? So, he says, when the sages ask what constitutes transformation, they, they meant, when can a person be sure that he or she has reached a perfect transformation? And the answer comes as a clear sign, he says, when Hashem himself testifies that the person will no longer return to his or her foolish ways. In other words, the person merits the direct revelation of God's face when God's grace itself testifies for him or for her that he or she will not return to their foolish ways and it back into back into sin. The transformation he said discussed here is known as transformation from the fear of sin. All right. Now let's let's let him finish here. Uh, oh no, we've got a lot more to go. Let's keep moving. He says the transformation discussed here. Transformation from the fear of sin. He says, while it is the case that the person has returned to God with all their heart and with all their soul, to such a degree that God testifies about the person that they're not going to return to their, to their foolishness, nevertheless, the certainty that the person will not sin anymore, that has to arise from your own perception, from his or her perception and feeling of the terrible suffering that is consequent for sin. Therefore, and that means in this life, that, that, that's not just talking about, oh, I'm going to be punished in the, in the world to come, or I'm going to lose something in the world to come, uh, or I'm going, uh, you know, I'm going to have to spend another week in Gehenom, or, or I'm going this or that. No. Meaning, immediate, uh, it, here in this life, and even though it doesn't come to you directly at that moment, it's going to affect somebody else. It's going to make someone else suffer. It may make the animal world suffer, and the plant world suffer, uh, or the ecology suffer, or some other way. But there is suffering cause for every sin, no matter what. Therefore, he says, the person can be sure of himself or herself that they will not sin anymore in the same way. Once we realize, we've come to that realization. That, that they can be certain of themselves that they would not bring, he says, upon themselves terrible suffering. Now, he's putting it all back upon us. In other words, it's personal punishment. This, this level of fear of sin comes about first through the fear of consequences personally, what it's going to mean for me. Uh, so personal punishment. But then it can progress. Let me let him finish his thought, and then we'll mention this progression. In the last analysis, he says... This transformation and certainty only comes about through the person's fear of suffering that is consequent upon, uh, for sin. His or her transformation comes about only through fear of consequence, and therefore this stage of con consciousness is called the transformation from fear of sin. So it begins, it comes about first through the fear of personal consequences, and then it progresses to the, to the fear of effects of our sin on others and on all of the, all of the universes above us. Um, 
And the reason, the only reason it can do that is because we have already been working on our will to receive for ourselves alone, where we are not so self-centered anymore. All right? Not so self-centered anymore. Now, he wants to talk about a concept that is extremely difficult to inter- understand. I'm not sure that uh, in this particular lesson we will come to an understanding of it. But I promise you, when we, uh, with with all good, without uh, Nedder, without uh, taking a vow, I I will do my very best that we will get back on this when we come back together again, and we will begin to understand it. Right now, let's just get the basics down of how this works. Okay? He says, uh, we have explained. Oh no, hold on. He says, now we can understand the words of the sages that when a person comes to this level of transformation from the fear of sin, then he or she merits that the acts of arrogance that they committed earlier in their life become transformed into the category of sins which were committed because they fell and became confused. And by the way, you know, we had, uh, a question is asked the sages, how can a person, how can a, how can a God-fearing person sin? How can that happen? And they answer, the only way is if they're temporarily insane. In other words, for a person who is a God-fearer, who is, who is fearing Hashem, who is loving Hashem, who is believing in God, for them, to, for them to fall into sin is only because a spirit of folly comes upon them. <laughs> uh, now, Rabbi Nachman would say, it's, it's, and, and Rabbi Ashlag also will, will tell us, that from time to time, because of what's going on in our heads and, and everything else, that Hashem decides to cast us down to a place of filth. Uh, he, I mean, he, he, even this is coming from him, is the idea. Even, even this, it's, it's an unbelievably different way of thinking. Anyway, they fell and became, became confused. And so Rabbi Ashlag says, how can this be? He says, we have already explained that a person's sins of arrogance, they're arrogant because they were committed due to that person's perception of divine providence in a state of double concealment. He says, which is concealment within concealment. And it's characterized by a person's not believing in God's role in cause and effect. You know, and I have to be very, I, I really have to be honest with you, but I know also, I, because I talk to people every day, and I know also people who uh, who profess to be very, very close to God and and. And they're really trying. They're really working. They're they're really really working at it. But they also can manifest double concealment, where they don't see anything coming from from God, especially not if they consider it to be bad in any way. Okay. So and they don't believe in God's role in in, in cause and effect. That state, he said, should be contrasted. <coughs> Excuse me. That state should be contrasted with that of single concealment where a person believes in the role of divine providence with respect to cause and effect. But due to the greatness of the suffering, that person sometimes still has thoughts of sin. For even though they believe that their suffering came to them as a consequence of the, their behavior, nevertheless, they are like the person who sees a friend's back and is liable to doubt whether it's his friend or whether it's someone else. These sins are therefore only inadvertent errors in the state of, if you're working in the state of the fear of sin, okay, under single concealment, 
Those sins are therefore only inadvertent errors. Excuse me, that's not correct. I, I messed you up. The fear of sin is a part of the revelation of his face. So we're still in single concealment, the concealment of his face, excuse me. But in, in that single concealment, he says, where you're only recognizing, like from the back, they are considered only inadvertent errors. Because the person does, he says, in general, believe in the role of divine providence with regard to cause and effect. Therefore, Rabbi Ashlag goes on and says, once a person is worthy of the transformation in his or her consciousness at the level of the fear of sin, the first stage of the revelation of God's face, he says, which implies to us that that person has a clear perception of divine providence with regard to cause and effect, then he or she may be quite certain that they will come to a place where they will no longer sin. This is good. At this stage, oh, now listen to this. At this stage, the aspect of double concealment, that part of their life in which they lived in double concealment, that, that part that the person once experienced is completely healed. By the way, what that means is all of those arrogant acts are now considered as inadvertent errors. Now the person, he says, sees black on white that Hashem is involved with the world through cause and effect. It's now clear to the person that the many sufferings that they experienced all their life those sufferings were brought about only by divine providence as a consequence of the sins, the sin in their life. Now the person understands the matter retroactively, and they realize they made a bitter mistake. Not completely, however, he says, but they, um, thus the person, oh, excuse me, thus the person, uh, Rabbi Shlag says, uproots these arrogant acts from their very root. If we have the, if we know... <laughs> It's almost impossible to commit an arrogant act once you come to this level of perception. The only way it's possible is if you leave this area of perception and fall back into double concealment. Okay. Not completely, he, uh, however, he says, but they become like inadvertent errors. In other words, they're still there, but they're no longer arrogant acts. They're just considered as inadvertent errors. Similar, he says, to those that the person commits in the stage of single concealment, when they stumble into sin simply due to the confusion which is caused by the greatness of their suffering because they're still suffering. He said, and it's that suffering which tends to push one out of his or her normal state of consciousness. In other words, you can suffer so much you're not in your right mind. That's the idea. Those sins are, co are considered as inadvertent errors. However... Oops, I jumped too soon, but we'll leave that one up, we'll, but we're not there yet. However, he says, at this level of transformation, the state of single concealment, that state is not healed at all. Double concealment is healed, but single concealment is not healed at all. This state is only healed from this level onwards, once the person has attained the revelation of God's face. But the aspect of single concealment of God's face and all the inadvertent errors we still have them. They still remain with us as they were. They are unhealed and they are unchanged. And the reason for this, he says, is that both then and now the person believes that their difficulties and suffering came about as a result of punishment. Oh, all of a sudden we're going to move to a different place. We've been thinking all this time 
and thinking and cause and effect, and that it's all punished coming to us as punishment. And now he's going to tell us something different. The reason for this is that both then and now the person believes that their difficulties and their suffering came about just as a result of punishment. According to, he says, to what we've already quoted, they will say on that day, it is because Hashem is not in me that all these troubles have come upon me. Therefore, such a person is still not called, and now we're on the, on the slide that's there now, that is still not called a complete tzaddik. Anyone who merits the revelation of God's face, which means the measure of his complete goodness, as is fitting according to his name, that person is called a tzaddik. And the reason they're called a tzaddik is because of this. The person justifies. In Hebrew, this is matzdik, same root. The person justifies God's providence as it truly is. And how is God's providence as it truly is? Is he a dad who's just going around and, and, and waiting for the chance to beat us because we, we sinned? Here is God's providence as it truly is. And this is the way a tzaddik understands it. That God treats his creatures with absolute goodness and in absolute perfection. Such that God is good... And he is good both to the most evil person on the face of the earth and to the most righteous person on the face of the earth. He is good both to the evildoer and to the good person. And that, in a nutshell, is the highest level of understanding God's providence. That everything that he does, even when it hurts, is good. And he does good both to evildoers and to good people who are trying to please him and who are trying to follow him. So, would that we also would do like he. That would be nice. Can you imagine? But first, before that could ever even possibly happen, the will to receive for oneself alone must be corrected. I know you're tired of hearing me harp about that, but you're going to be away from me for a while, so I want to make sure you remember it. <laughs> so, he says, since the person has become worthy of the revelation of God's face, it is fitting that he or she should be called by the name of Tzaddik, as a Tzaddik, from this time onwards. However, since as yet, this person has only completely healed the stage of double concealment, but they have not yet healed that aspect of their life that was in single concealment, the healing of which only occurs after this stage, then he or she is not yet considered to be a full tzaddik, or a complete tzaddik, a tzaddik gamul, but rather is called an incomplete tzaddik, or a benoni. He or she must still heal this aspect of their past, he says, and that is the stage of single concealment. Now let's, let's move on. Tzadik or Benoni. Another term, he says, for the person now is an in-between person. You're not a complete Tzadik yet because you haven't healed, yet healed that stage of single concealment because you, you've moved to the, to the revelation of God's face on the level of the fear of sin, but you have not yet moved to the love of Hashem, the love of God. 
And so another term for, for the person now is benoni, which is an intermediate or an in-between person. He or she has already become worthy of the stage of transformation, he says, resulting from the fear of sin. And now he or she is ready through the perfected practice of Torah and mitzvot, to come, which means you're not practicing them for your own sake at all. You're practicing only Talmud Torah Lishma to do the Torah for God's sake, for, to please Him, for the, for the Torah's sake, and in order to please Him. And to come to the next level, he says, and the next level is the transformation from the love of God, from the love of Hashem. Then the person can merit to become a complete tzaddik. And remember, this works the same way. We're doing hard work, right? We're going against our nature. Uh, we're trying to make every self-correction and soul correction that we can. And when Hashem sees that we are doing this work, that we are doing the required amount, and we put the right effort in. And by the way, we are also asking Him, help us. And when He sees that we've come to a place where we really need His help, that's when He, by His grace, as Rabbi Ashlag says, He gives us this revelation. He gives us this opening of our eyes in His Torah, that we may behold great things, the great wonders of His Torah. Okay. Uh, thus he says at this present time, this present time which is an intermediate stage between the fear of sin and the love of God, this person is called a benoni, a person who has the characteristic of being intermediate, in between. But before this time, in other words the level of the fear of sin, such a person was not capable, even capable, of preparing, of getting ready for, of getting their self ready for this transformation that comes about through love. Now, we have here actually, this is a chart that Rabbi Ashlag does. I'm going to go on and just continue in the time we have left to continue to teach him. I want to show you this one though where, where he brings all this together within a nutshell uh, on how we experience God's providence. The concealment of God's face, first either concealment within concealment, and in that man does not a person doesn't connect their pain and suffering with God's involvement at all, and that's the stage of arrogant acts and deliberate sins. Then we have the stage of single concealment where we perceive God's back, but we're not sure if it's him or not. And a person ascribes his pain and suffering always to punishment, and they also project their anger. They get a little angry at God. Why is this happening to me? They project their anger onto Hashem. And this is the stage of inadvertent errors. Then, what we have been talking about, the revelation of God's face, the second way we experience God's providence, the revelation of God's face, the first from the transformation from the fear of sin, and where a man, a person, a human being has a clear perception of God's involvement with him as cause and effect, and God testifies he will not return to his foolish ways, and this is manifest by, you know, we say, Galenai, there's a verse in the Psalms, uh, in fact, that's the that's the name of uh, I know of uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg, who we've studied. Also, his institute, Galenai, open my eyes in your Torah, and it's manifest by an opening of a person's eyes in the Torah. And this is known as an incomplete tzaddik or a benoni or an in-between person. And in this stage, arrogant acts are transformed into inadvertent errors, but inadvertent errors are not yet healed. Then the final thing he wants to talk about 
is how we, and I want to give all this to you because we need this whole package right here to carry us through till when we're back together. This is what we're shooting for. We have to shoot for every one of these, and we have to do the hard work, and then Hashem graces us and helps us, okay? But the, the final stage, the transformation from the love of Hashem. Man, a person sees and knows that God is good and that he only does good as befits his name. We also become convinced and, and aware of and we know that he is good to an evildoer equally as to the good person. And then we, what we matzdik, we justify God's actions in the world. And we know that everyone, all are destined to come to love God. That's a big one. This is a complete tzaddik. And at that stage, all past sins, whether they were arrogant acts or inadvertent errors, they are now actually transformed into virtues. Now, admittedly, this is something we really need to sit and talk about at, on how to understand exactly how that happens. In the time we have left, I want to leave this nice one up, okay? <laughs> In the time we have left, I want to uh, get a little farther, a little farther with him, and uh, he says because he says now we have we have clarified the first stage of the perception of the revelation of the face of God. He said, and this is the actual perception and the actual experience of divine providence as cause and effect, to the degree that Hashem testifies about a person that they won't again return to sin, and this is called transformation from fear of sin, and through it. The person's arrogant acts are healed to the extent that they become like inadvertent errors. And such a person is called an incomplete tzaddik or a benoni, as we have explained. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, the, the altar Rebbe, the first uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, said one time, I am not a tzaddik, I am only a benoni. And all of his Hasidim said, oh, oy vey Rebbe. You leave no room for us. Meaning, if you are just a Benoni, then all of us, we don't even come close to even being an in-between person. Anyway, now he says we will go on to clarify, he says, and talk about the second level of attainment of the revelation of the face of God, which is the perception of this complete, true, and eternal providence, namely that God watches over his creatures with his attribute that he is good, and he does good to both evildoers and good doers. And when the person perceives this, then they are at the level of a tzaddik gamul, a complete tzaddik. And that person has attained a transformation from the love of, love of God, through which that person merits that, that their arrogant acts are transformed into virtues. Their arrogant acts and, and also their inadvertent errors. He says, now we have examined all four ways in which, people commonly, in which people commonly perceive the divine providence. The first three levels, and we can, we can bring them back up here. The first three levels, number one, uh, con double concealment. Number two, single concealment. And then when we begin to move to the revelation of God's face, then the transformation from the fear of sin, which is a direct per perception of cause and effect, all of these three levels, he says, are actually only prepar uh, preparatory phases 
through which a person merits to come to this fourth phase, which is the perception of God's true and eternal providence, he says, which we will now explain with God's help. Let's, let's, let's go on. Let's, well, wait a minute here. Let's see where we should leave off. We're going to, because he's going to get into a lot of uh, things now. Because I'll just, I'll just tell you in advance, this is what we will begin to look at when we come back. And let me, hold on, let me find something to mark my place because I don't want to. So sometimes with this we have to, we have to stop where we're at because he, the next thing we're going to move in, into is extremely, extremely uh, detailed. And we know we won't have time. So let me mark my, my place right here, right quick. Then I want to go over and just give you this so you'll have some understanding of, even though I didn't make slides for it, You'll have some understanding of what he's talking about when he mentions the love of God, the love of Hashem. He's going to immediately begin to break this down for us. He's going to show us that there are actually four different levels of the love of Hashem. By the way, he's going to make a beautiful comment also that this is, this is the last commandment that anyone really does. And yet it's one of the first commandments and one of the greatest commandments that Hashem gives to us. It's part of the Shema. And you shall love Hashem your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources. And let these matters that I command you today be in your heart, on and on. And so to love Hashem, uh, this, is, this is one of the greatest commandments. And yet, Rabbi Ashlag is going to tell us, not many of us actually get to this point where we are experiencing real love of God. And there are four levels of love. First, there are two levels of what Rabbi Ashlag calls conditional love. And in this, again, you know, we think we have it all corrected. But again, uh, the will to receive for ourselves alone is kind of rearing its head a little bit, or it's still woven in, because love is dependent on the perception of goodness that is received by us. And he gives us, he says, there are two aspects of this, of, of this level. One aspect, or there are two levels of condition of this conditional love. The first level is before he came to know his friend, and we'll have to talk about this a whole lot, they actually caused harm to each other. And now that they know each other, they do not wish to recall this because love covers all transgressions. Second level of conditional love is from the first moment, they actually only did good to each other, speaking of two friends, and there was never any trace of damage or ill feeling at all between them. And this, he says, is when the stage of arrogant acts, arrogant sins that we committed, are actually transformed into virtues, into merits. Then, there, then we move to two levels of unconditional love that he wants to talk about. Now, so you see, there's four levels of this love. Two levels of conditional, now two levels of unconditional uh, the person loves his friend, Rabbi Ashlag says, with a wondrous, infinite love, and he perceives his friend's worth as being beyond anything he could possibly imagine. The first level of this, he knows his friend's worth, he says, with regard to his own dealings with him. In other words, knowing uh, just from personal experience with this friend that never, ever would this friend ever do anything against him whatsoever and that he, he is just a, a wonderful person, and it's a wondrous love he has for him. Uh, the second aspect of this is he, he says he knows his friend's worth 
also through and by the way every time it's saying friend it's it's this is a veiled reference an allegorical reference to Hashem himself okay so he knows his friend's worth also through his dealings and conduct with others he sees how his friend acts with others whether those people are reciprocating good back to him or not he still acts a certain way with others and the way he acts with others and the way he conducts himself with others is better than he could possibly ever imagine if we can come to that aspect in the in the second level of unconditional love Rabbi Ashlag says here the person and this is what a tzaddik does he has tilted the balance for himself and not just for himself he has tilted the balance for the whole world for all the universe not even just this universe of Asiyah but all universes for good he has tilted the balance we have a whole lot that we have to talk about in this area so we have a lot to do and he says and this is the only eternal and the only absolute love so we have we have lots of work to do that I'm looking very much forward to do with you uh, when when we can continue and we'll we'll stop when we when we come back together I'm sure we'll stop I'll mention just a few things uh, it will be enough that each and every one of you will be able to pick up and uh, and remember what we have done and where we're going now this is what you must do in the in the weeks and the months to follow until we're back together again think on these things begin to put them to work in your life see where you are yourself personally in your perception and your understanding of divine providence are you God forbid in double concealment God forbid see if you're in single concealment see if you're at least at the level of the fear of sin and begin to do the hard work to begin to do the hard work of keeping the Torah and the mitzvot uh, in order to please Hashem in or in in order to give him pleasure and in or in doing everything in order to benefit others and I promise you when we come back together again if you will do this hard work uh, we will all be on a completely and totally different level every one of us and we will all be able to understand more because he will teach us more as we go along I've so much enjoyed every moment that I've had with you and I look I really hate to stop these classes right now but I, there's just not any choice in the matter with the with the summer schedule with a lot of other things so I, I apologize to you greatly uh, but I promise we will get back together again again without taking a vow we will get back together again and we will continue and in the meantime, let's work on ourselves. In the meantime, let's check ourselves every day. Let's, let's check ourselves to see where our motivation is coming from for the things that we do. Let's check ourselves to see where we are at, where we are climbing the ladder at, where are we on the ladder concerning our understanding of divine providence, concerning our understanding of how everything is coming from Hashem, good, or, good and bad, how everything is meant only for our good, and how how uh, Hashem is treating, he is good not just to people who trust in him. He's good not just to people who believe in him. He's good to people who are in double concealment. He is good to uh, the most wicked person as well as to the most righteous. That is a very high level of understanding. 
that I'm telling you that is and that is a very high level of, of perception of his divine providence and how he, how he is working in the universe and also of who he is according to the greatness of his name so that's what we will leave each other with and we will work we will work on a daily basis and uh, uh, a second by second basis from now until we're, we can be together again uh, in this forum and uh, I thank uh, Noahide Nations very very much for, for the opportunity and, and, uh, and for the opportunity God willing in the future to continue so until we can get back together we will uh, say Shalom Shalom for right now and uh, and I look very much forward to being with you again in in the months whenever uh, Noahide Nations tells us that uh, the schedule is reset. Okay, so Todah and Shalom Uvraka, which means peace and a blessing to each and every one of you. Shalom Shalom. Bye bye.